Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, as we continue our week here of post-draft analysis, we're going to step out of the realm of the Green Bay Packers just a little bit and talk about what the other teams in the NFC North did in this draft. Obviously, six of the Packers' 16 games coming up will be against the Vikings' Lions and Bears. So let's start with the Vikings. They are the defending division champions. They've won the NFC North two of the last three seasons. Um, came uh, you know within an eyelash, I guess you say, of the Super Bowl, having reached the NFC title game a year ago. And uh, a lot of eyes on that first-round pick for them, obviously. Cornerback Mike Hughes, a player that uh, most analysts said would have been drafted much higher than the bottom of the first round if not for some off-the-field concerns. Yeah, and those off-the-field concerns were something that I think we you know, looked at a little bit too because we thought he could potentially be a fit for the Packers. Yeah. Uh, he started his time off of North at North Carolina. Uh, some situations happened off the field. Seems like everything I read and how I understand it, you know, he was never charged with anything, but... Uh, he decided to leave uh, Chapel Hill, and then he goes and plays one year at Garden State Community College, and then makes the decision to go play for Scott Frost at UCF. So he, the two sides of that is what happened at North Carolina, and then the other fact, he really only had one year of college football that you can kind of you know put some film up and, and really study him. So that's sort of the, the aspect of him. There's you know some size concerns as well, but... Overall, I mean, he's a tr- was a tremendous playmaker for years. Uh, with uh, you know, going back to what he did in high school, I think coming out of North Carolina, and then what he obviously contributed at UCF. So, and then also gives him some playmaking uh, on potentially special teams as a returner. So, yeah, a lot of different facets there to Mike Hughes's game. Yeah, now safety Harrison Smith is really the quarterback of that secondary for the Vikings, and really the quarterback yeah. of, that, of that entire defense. And the Vikings just made a, uh, a commitment to uh, Trey Wayne's um, first-round draft pick from a while. They picked up his fifth-year option, yep. did they not? Correct. Yeah. So, um, But with Hughes now coming in as a rookie first-round pick, where do you see him maybe fitting into this Minnesota secondary as it currently stands? He's going to have a chance to contribute right away. Um, you know, no, no disrespect to Terrence Newman. He's done it at a high level for a very long time. You know, <laughs> he re-signed, years. re-signed again. Yeah. Amazing he, career that guy's had. He did say this will be his last year. Um, you know, and again, that's assuming he makes the roster, but he, you know, he's, he'll turn 40 this season and that'll be it. But let's be honest, Mike, and with all due respect to Newman, if you're a defense and the Vikings were one of the best in the league last year, I don't know how much you want to rely on a 39 or 40 year old defensive right. back to be your nickel or slot corner. Um, they had to do that at different intervals last season. I think bringing in Hughes now gives you somebody to compliment Wayne, uh, Wayne's and, and just trying to see exactly how all those guys fit. Uh, that was really, if you look at that defense, the way it's structured right now, I think that's really was the only weakness, trying to find that number two complementary piece, and I think they feel like they accomplished that with Hughes. Yeah, well, and we also saw, and the Vikings saw, and I think this pick in, in a lot of ways was directed towards what happened to that defense in the NFC Championship game when Xavier Rhodes had to leave the game and or was trying to play yeah. when he wasn't healthy, because 
that defense just wasn't the same right. in that game. The one, the 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 way they had played all year long, and Rhodes either not being on the field or not being fully healthy at the number one cornerback spot was a huge was a huge factor. And you mentioned Newman and his age and everything. I think the Vikings are trying to figure out how they can piece this together so that if Rhodes does have to miss some time, they just don't completely fall apart again. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's a great point you raised because Rhodes really is the he's the guy there. Uh, Wayne's I think you give him credit for the way he's developed you know he's had some ups and downs but he's been able to be consistent enough as that number two option it is Rhodes though that ultimately is going to be your quote-unquote shutdown corner right but you need more guys to be able to complement that you look at what they did in Cincinnati the years that Mike Zimmer was there they you talk a lot about that defense you talk a lot about this the you know the double a gap blitzing they had good reliable cornerbacks they're developing the same thing in Minnesota they've invested three first round picks into that position now but obviously that shows you the commitment that they have to making sure that they have enough options there if you happen to lose roads at any you know any time yeah a couple of other picks by the vikings that intrigued me in the second round they took brian o'neill an offensive tackle prospect out of pit and then uh, a couple of rounds later they took tyler conklin a tight end from central michigan and the o'neill pick interesting to me from the standpoint that last year the Vikings kind of fixed everything with regards to their offensive line. I think then drafting an offensive tackle, and some people thought O'Neal maybe could slip into the first round. Drafting an offensive tackle as high as they did, I think, is is a signal that, okay, again, we don't want one injury with this unit that we fixed. We don't want one injury, especially at one of the edge spots at tackle, to to uh, to lead to a big drop-off. So they want another another big-time prospect there. And then with Conklin at tight end, I mean, Kyle Rudolph has been so productive. Yeah. No matter who the quarterback has been in Minnesota, he's been so productive as a pass-catching tight end for them. You wonder if they're trying to find that next potentially that next Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, and it is what I said before, too, Mike. You want to have some guys in the pipeline at that position. I thought Conklin was a great value pick for them in the fifth round. Yeah. And then also to look at O'Neal. I mean, you tip your cap. Riley Reef ended up being one of the better signings out of free agency last year. But he's not getting any younger either. Right. And it's important to be able to have options at tackle. I mean, I think they're anticipating Reef being able to hold down that spot for the next three, four, or five seasons. But you never know how things can turn. The nice thing about O'Neal, he gives you some flexibility, too, if you'd have to use him potentially at that right tackle spot. Yeah, all right. Well, we've got some other teams in the NFC North to talk about. We will get to that after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Okay, Wes, continuing on with our NFC North analysis here of the draft and moving on to the Detroit Lions. They draft a center from Arkansas, Frank Ragnow, in the first round. And again, not the sexiest pick that you throw out there to your fans that your first round pick is an offensive lineman, but certainly a commitment to a couple of things obviously wanting to protect Matthew Stafford, but also trying to establish and get that running game going. And that's an, that's a commitment they continued then in the second round with drafting on Johnson, the running back out of Auburn. So two picks that kind of go hand in hand those, they, the, at the top of their draft. They really do. And after Billy Price ends up having that shoulder injury, I think it really solidified Ragnow as the top center on this board. Price could end up having a very nice career, but sure. I think if you're looking at trying to make a first-round investment, Ragnow was the safer pick. He was an exemplary citizen during his time at Arkansas. They went through a lot of tough days, but yet he was a consistent, reliable 
uh, real axle of that offensive line. Some interesting personal off-the-field stuff. You know, he lost his father during his time at Arkansas. I believe it was cancer. Um, really, I was impressed with him. I got a chance to be in that media scrum at the Combine. He holds himself, and you can tell a really respectable and mature way. And I have to imagine he'll be a guy who fits in well. I saw TJ Lang was giving him a little bit of grief on Twitter already, <laughs> saying when Ragnar was telling him how excited he is to play next to him, he mentioned uh, he called him TJ. And TJ immediately replied with, it's Mr. Lang it's Mr. To Lang to you. Quintessential yeah. TJ Lang. But yes. uh, this is this is investment in trying to balance that offense. The Detroit Lions have taken a lot of swings in the second round on running backs. <laughs> They're going to try one more big hack here with carry on my wayward son, Johnson. How does a guy and, like that not end up at Kansas? I don't Sorry, know. that was a terrible joke. It had joke, to. He had yeah. to. But anyway. He probably avoided it on purpose to go go to Auburn. <laughs> Auburn or Kansas football, it's a tough call. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I mean, they missed on Michael LaShore. Uh, uh, you know, Amir Abdullah, there's been question marks there. It's just been this on and on rotation of trying to find somebody right. who can be the next and they, guy. There. And a handful of years ago, they might have had the right guy in Javid Best, but the concussions and yeah. everything, he, he just never got his career off the ground. They right. made a pretty big investment in him as well. I believe he was from Cal, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I mean, they're still trying to find that next Jonathan Stewart for them. Or who was who the guy that uh, – was it Jonathan Stewart? Who was the guy that filled in after uh, uh, Barry Sanders? Do you remember who that oh, who was? That running I can't back. Even, I can't even. Remember anyway, now. You're, te- you're you're putting me on the spot. And they're still me. trying to find an answer at that position. Yeah. And if you look at that that record, Mike. I think it's what now sixty games they've had without a hundred yard rusher. Yeah, it's some incredible streak. Nobody else is like above fifteen right now. <laughs> I think the Ravens were second place, but then they accomplished it last year. Um, this is this is a big move for them. They need to find a running game. Yeah, they want to take some of the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. They want to develop a little bit more balance offensively. Another pick for the Detroit Lions to uh, to keep an eye on. In the fourth round, they drafted Deshaun Hand, defensive lineman out of Alabama. Now, as far as that interior of Alabama's defensive line, it was uh, it was kind of a one two punch. Deron Payne was the was the much talked about guy, the first round prospect. Deshaun Hand was sort of the sidekick, you know, the the other guy, just as big, not quite as agile, not quite as fast, you know, all all those all those other measurables and stuff. You know, he wasn't in in Payne's class, but uh, but you know, you talk about a guy who uh, who you, you, sometimes you just never know maybe how good a guy like that is yeah. when he's been playing next to a first round pick. Does he get to flourish more when he's not in that shadow, or was he making plays because the other guy was getting so much attention? That's one of those things from a scouting perspective. I think that can be really hard to project. But a fourth round pick for a guy on Alabama's defensive line, um, you know, it's definitely worth the investment. Well, and you hit the bullseye, Mike. That's how you end up being a fourth-round pick. And by the way, just to throw out there, it was James Stewart. Was the, James the Stewart, running yes. Back, uh, yes. In the post-Barry Sanders era. But yeah, Hand is one of the guys I was really high on uh, coming out, and I think he'll pair well with that offensive front. Obviously, Ashawn Robinson's already there, um, so there's some ties uh, to, to pass. Yeah, to that Bama uh, defense. Crimson tied defensive fronts. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use him, and, and they've had a lot of success over the years. I think you have to tip your cap, even going back to Martin Mayhew uh, when he was the GM with the Lions. They found defensive linemen. That has been the heart and soul of those defenses when they were really good. I know it's kind of lapsed a little bit in recent years, but Hand will be a guy they'll throw into that rotation. Also drafted uh, Tracy Walker from Louisiana. So uh, that's another guy as far as a defensive back that's going to add to those reserves at that position. They have some really good pieces. Darius Slay is one of the top 
cornerbacks in the league right now. Yep. Um, but they need to find more guys to deepen that rotation. I think both of those two guys check the boxes. For the limitations that the Lions had in regards to draft picks, I actually thought they did a really good job of, of being able to find some guys that are going to help them. Yeah, all right. Well, one more team in the NFC North to get to, and we will get to the Bears after this. Back with more on Packers Unscripted. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Okay, Wes, final team here in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears. They had the highest draft pick of the division opponents, number eight overall. They select linebacker Roquan Smith from Georgia, one of these guys who was talked about in that group of the top five or six defensive prospects in the entire draft. And I'm sure Bears fans are hoping, as I kind of mentioned after the first round, they're hoping that this is the second coming of of your Brian Urlacher, your guy who's going to be your anchor at linebacker in the middle of that defense for the next decade. So is Vic Fangio. (laughs) Uh, That's what he's hoping for. I actually, uh, you know, I know I just got done talking about the the Lions draft class. I was really impressed by what the Bears did. Uh, It started with Smith. I I think they let the board come to them. We talked so much, Mike, about the Packers and and the fact that they're – quarterback obviously isn't a need in Green Bay and how that was going to help them the Bears who say what you will about their decision to move up one spot last year to take Mitchell Trubisky they were the big benefit of this in the long run though right before them the Bills are trading up trying to get their quarterback that meant a lot of really talented defensive players are going to be available for them outside of Chubb and Ward Roquan Smith is a guy that I think I don't want to put you don't want to put that expectation out there that the guy's the next Brian Urlacher because I think Brian Urlacher is a once-in-a-generation guy, a guy I, that moves from safety to linebacker at a really small school and then just takes the world by fire and becomes a, a Hall of Fame football player. But that being said, out of all these inside backers that you know have been produced out of the SEC here in the last handful of years, uh, Roquan Smith, in my opinion, is the best of the bunch. He just he does so many different things. He gives you the coverage tools that you look for. He's a playmaker in the trenches. Yeah, this guy, by all accounts, is the type of guy that you plug in there for 10 years and you forget about it, Yeah, that he's going to be a guy that's going to be there and be reliable. It was a good pick by them, and I think it was just a, just really a function of letting the board come to you and taking the best guy available. Yeah, and then in the second and third rounds, the Bears focused on offense. They took James Daniels, the center out of Iowa, in the second round to uh, to provide uh, a little bit more depth and beef on that offensive line. And then in the third round, they took a guy I know that uh, that you were very interested in, and that's the wide receiver Anthony Miller from Memphis. And we knew going into this draft, the Bears – had to make some kind of an investment, a significant investment at wide receiver because you've got to get Mitchell Trubisky some targets. And arguably they're the, the best wide receiver that they've had over the last couple of years was Cam Meredith, who is gone. You know, yeah. he, he injured his knee and basically missed the season, and now he's gone. The, the yeah. Bears chose not to match a contract offer that he got elsewhere. So um, Anthony Miller... Uh, you know, this is this is a guy who, you know, and, and the Bears are still hoping that Kevin White from West Virginia, their first round pick from a handful of years ago, they're hoping that uh, that he can get over all this injury stuff and become the player that they projected when they drafted him in the top 10. But uh, um, but Miller's a big investment in a wide receiver. This is a guy with a lot of upside. Yeah, and they took out an insurance policy, too, uh, with Allen Robinson. But now the question is, he's coming off of an ACL as well. Right. So what are you going to be getting with those two returning vets? I think that Anthony Miller checks a big box because he can be a slot receiver. 
if those two guys are healthy, he's not necessarily taking playing time away from anybody. And it gives somebody underneath, a playmaker for Mitchell Trubisky to work off of, which I think was really what they were missing the most last year, especially after the Zach Miller injury. Uh, there just yeah. there wasn't anybody for him to go to, you know, close in between the hashes. So yeah. uh, Miller is a guy that made plays all over the field for Memphis. I mean, you want to talk about chip on a shoulder. Uh, this guy probably is in the top ten of the draft in terms of he was completely shunned by every Division One college. His hometown Memphis Tigers they end up allowing him to come onto campus as a walk on, and he leaves as their all time leading receiver, breaking numerous records held by Isaac Bruce along the way. Wow. Uh, this guy is a playmaker, and I really thought you know potentially the Packers could be looking at him. You know, ultimately I think they made the best decision going with Josh Jackson and being able to really fortify that cornerback spot. But I think Anthony Miller is going to be a playmaker in this league, and I can see how uh, Mitchell Trubisky, if I'm in his shoes right now, compared to what I had to work with at the end of last season, I'd have a smile on my face if I were him, especially getting James Daniels too. He has his center now for the future. Yeah, well, and, and you look at, and as, as you said at the beginning, the Bears kind of let the draft come to them. They seem to get really good value at their top picks because some people thought James Daniels was potentially a late first-round yeah. guy if you want an interior offensive lineman. As you mentioned, some people projected Anthony Miller as a second-rounder at wide receiver. The Bears get those guys respectively at the top of the second and the top of the third, you know, the first third of those respective rounds. So, uh, again, they really took a value approach uh, with, with their top picks. And Miller just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. He was a fourth or fifth, and he was a third. He ends up being a second. The one side effect of all this, though, now, Mike, is there is going to be more pressure on Mitchell Trubisky. He has some weapons now, and he has to go about using them. Yeah, all right. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford joined by Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, just to clarify something I said at the end of the last segment about the Bears and Anthony Miller using the pick at the top of the third round, I meant to say they traded that pick to get back into the bottom half of the second round to draft Miller. That was the investment that they made. I didn't make that clear, so I apologize for that. But uh, moving on. We had talked after the first round, excuse me, of the draft about the quarterbacks and where they went, Baker Mayfield to the Browns, Sam Darnold to the Jets, Josh Allen to the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Rosen to the Arizona Cardinals. Now you look at the Packers' 2018 schedule, the Jets, the Bills, and the Cardinals are all on it. How many of these rookie quarterbacks do you think we're going to see play against Green Bay this fall? I would say it's good chance of seeing at least two, if not all three, depending on which direction the Bills go. Doing this off the top of my head, I believe it was the Bills that signed A.J. McCarron, right? So he'll be in that, that conversation sounds right. yeah. with, uh, with Josh Allen. So whether or not Allen ends up getting the call during the first month of the season, we'll have to wait and see. I wonder if they're going to be somewhat hesitant to do that after what happened with Nathan Peterman last year when they put him in over Tyrod Taylor. Looking more at the Cardinals and Jets, they were looking for a long-term answer at those, and it was obvious going into the draft they needed to do this. I mean, you go back and listen to what the words come out of Arizona for so many years. They've wanted to draft and develop a quarterback. They just haven't done it. Yeah. So now you look at this, and they get Rosen. I think by December he'll have a good chance to be starting. Maybe Sam Bradford goes there and hits the ground running. Totally possible. But, and then the Jets, Sam Darnold is the guy. I think everybody understands that, even though they did sign Teddy Bridgewater, even though they do have Josh McCown coming back. 
I think if everything goes according to plan for both of those teams, those two guys will be starting come December. Yeah, the one I'm intrigued about just to see really what happens is with the Cardinals because you mentioned Bradford. Obviously, they they signed him. But his track record health-wise, I mean, whether they, whether they want to play Josh Rosen as a rookie or not, they, they're in a, they might be in a position where they don't have a choice because yeah. Bradford hasn't played a full season, and I, I can't even – He never you know, has. Yeah. I, I mean, don't think he has. Um, so one of, the, one, of those, one of those situations to watch. And then obviously the Jets being on the schedule in December, as late as that is, you know, you never know by that point, even, even, if, they, uh, even if they go with McCown at the start of the season, depending on how things unfold – by the time December rolls around, they might have turned it over to to Darnold, and and we'll see what uh, we'll see what some of these young guys have got. Yeah, Bradford, I take that back. Had two seasons where he started all sixteen games. That was in two thousand ten and two thousand twelve. He hasn't done it though in five years. Yeah, five years. So that's going to yeah. be the challenge that they're facing. McCown's a great fit for the Jets because he understands that the the, the horizon's coming in his career, and he's been bounced around enough and been in and out of football enough to really relish the opportunity that's in front of him. I thought he did an exemplary job last year, really came in there and and held down that position, gave them some hope offensively, but they need to find the next guy. Darnold, in my opinion, he was my top quarterback on the board. I think it's interesting that they're able to get him at number three because their fellow New York team decided to go with Saquon Barkley. We'll see how all this plays out, but I think that in the long run, Darnold's going to be a good investment for them. The one that's going to be the biggest question mark is Allen, just because he's coming from Wyoming. There were the accuracy concerns, not counting everything else that happened on draft night. Seeing if he can push a guy like A.J. McCarron for the job right off the bat is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, the Bills trading up for Allen, the uh, the Cardinals also trading yeah. up to get Rosen. So there was a lot of jockeying for position there with regards to the quarterbacks. As you said, the Jets were kind of the team sitting pretty when the, Gi- when, when the Giants decided to, uh, to go with Barkley. Yeah. Then they had their guy because they had made the trade up to number three earlier. But with that, we will sign off on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.